in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am out of my mind excited because it is Red River Shootout Week, baby! <laughs> Texas OU at the Cotton Bowl, the State Fair, back in action, full house. I can't wait. I am Chip Brown of Horns 24-7, joined as always here on the flagship podcast by our fearless leader, the managing editor of Horns 24-7, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, how are you doing? I am just as excited as you are, Chip. This is my favorite week of the college football season. It's, in my opinion, the best game atmosphere in college football. And for Texas fans, we actually have a deal going for you right now to make this even, even better week. Uh, we have a Texas OU special where if you join today for new members, you get two months for only a dollar. Um, that will end on Thursday. So definitely make sure you head over to Horns 24-7 and uh, take advantage of that deal if you are not already a member of Horns 24-7. And also check out our YouTube channel as well. But we're going to have a lot to talk about on today's show, Chip. How are you doing? Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I'm ecstatic because we have so many storylines to talk about. It's kind of ridiculous. We have to get to them all. Of course, this is the the first meeting between Texas and OU since they announced their plans last summer uh, to join the Southeastern Conference, the SEC, and ESPN's game day will be at the State Fair of Texas this weekend. And there's high intrigue because uh, Texas did something last week that they rarely do. They beat TCU. Yeah. And... Oklahoma did something they haven't done in three years, and that's beat K-State. So Oklahoma comes into this game undefeated, but with some questions, we'll say. We'll get into that. And Texas is coming off an ugly but important win over TCU and now gets to go right back uh, to the Metroplex this weekend. But also, Taylor... Uh, you've got the quarterback storyline of Casey Thompson, who grew up uh, right outside of Oklahoma City, a nine iron from Norman. Uh, his dad, Charles Thompson, was an option quarterback for Barry Switzer in the late 80s. He led then number two Oklahoma over then number one Nebraska in 1987 in what they called the game of the century two for Oklahoma fans. And and now here's Casey wearing Texas, um, the Texas uniform as the starting quarterback for the Longhorns taking on uh, the Sooners. So we'll get into that as well. And obviously we record on Mondays after Steve Sarkeesian and we did get an injury update uh, and starting left guard Denzel Okafor is done for the season. He went down in the first quarter against TCU, Texas shuffled its offensive line, moved right tackle Derek Kerstetter to left guard and brought in redshirt freshman Andre Karich uh, to right tackle. And the offensive line helped pave the way for 216 yards rushing for Bijan Robinson. So uh, it's a next man up mentality for the Texas offensive line, which is going to have its hands full with Oklahoma's defense uh, under Alex Grinch, which is currently the nation's number five defense against the run. So that is 
the marquee matchup right there. The number two rusher in college football, Bijan Robinson, against the number five rush defense, Taylor. This uh, this thing's got more storylines than uh, those housewives of you know whatever city on Bravo. Yeah, no, there's definitely plenty. Um, actually, it looks like Oklahoma's run defense slid to number seven in the country, but still, you know, that's a they're only allowing 79.4 rushing yards per game through the first five games of the season. And, you know, it's going to be a challenge. I feel like the good news for Texas, obviously, is it has Bijan Robinson, who, as we talked about after the TCU game, is, in my opinion, the best running back in college football. And I know some people may say that sounds homerish of me to say it, but I don't care because it's the truth. He should, Texas needs to be starting his Heisman campaign right now and sending out all of the letters to media members and letters to the Football Writers Association of America, Heisman voters, everything. But, um, you know, I think that one thing that does that Texas does have kind of to its advantage is the fact that unfortunately for Denzel Oka for going down and him going to soon undergo season-ending surgery, the offensive line didn't really fall off without him out there. And so they're going to need the best play, not only from Bijan Robinson, but also the offensive line. And I feel like you at least saw glimpses of it. You know, there wasn't, it was, as you mentioned, the next man up mentality. You didn't see any, you know, substantial drop-off um, with uh, Andre Carrick, you know, coming in and shuffling around the offensive line. So that's a plus for Texas, but they're going to need all the help they can get against this Oklahoma run defense. Yeah. I mean, Oklahoma, it's, it's strange to talk about Oklahoma having um, its defense as sort of the marquee because uh, typically under Lincoln Riley, the offense is one of the nation's top scoring offenses. Uh, it's usually the top scoring offense in the big 12, but that's not the case right now. In fact, Texas is, um, you know, outscoring Oklahoma right now. And it's the OU defense under Alex Grinch with, you know, uh, Perion Winfrey up front, Isaiah Thomas, Nick Benito uh, coming off the edge that, um, and they run a lot of games. We, we remember the game a couple of years ago where they sacked Sam Ellinger nine times, 15 tackles for loss. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian talked about Oklahoma's defensive front today talking about how much movement there is how they like to you know slant and and just you know if you move the three technique on your defensive line from the outside shoulder of the the guard to um you know to shade uh, over the tackle it changes everything for the offensive line in terms of how they need to attack things so Kyle Flood uh, the offensive coordinator slash offensive line coach for Texas is um, if he's a smart man, he's been doing his homework on Oklahoma and Alex Grinch long before this week, um, you know, probably back in the spring to prepare for all the movement that uh, Alex Grinch likes to bring uh, from his defensive line, because that is going to be the key for Texas in terms of, you know, clearing space for Bijan Robinson, who had 35 carries for 216 yards last week, said today, hey, I'm pretty sore. Uh, but when asked if he had to carry it 30 times against Oklahoma, would he be able to do it? He said, yeah. So uh, it'll be real interesting to see how much um, Steve Sarkeesian will lean on Bijan Robinson in terms of workload. 
um, because he saw how effective Robinson can be against, um, you know, Gary Patterson's TCU defense. Yeah, no doubt. And one thing that Sark did point out too in talking about Bijan Robinson's workload, you know, he said between um, Kyle Flood, between Coach Drayton, and between him, you know, they've all been around really solid running backs in their careers. So, you know, whether the, I think I can't remember exactly how the question was phrased, but essentially was asked um, if his workload is going to either decrease in the, you know, preparation going into this game or in the game. And he said, that, you know, he's not too concerned necessarily um, because of the experience that they do have offensively in the coaches and being around those type of solid running backs. But yeah, I mean, this is a, you know, there's definitely a lot to work on, I think, for Texas too, Chip, coming out of that TCU game. Sarkeesian talked about that a lot on Monday, but there's, you know, this is a setting up itself up for being probably one of the better, you know, kind of storylines leading into the game. There's so many different ones with Casey Thompson being, um, you know, an Oklahoma guy, the son of an OU, former OU quarterback, excuse me. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of uh, other things that could potentially impact the game. And one thing I like that Steve Sarkeesian said on Monday was, um, you know, working under Nick Saban, it was one of the key takeaways that he learned from him is, you know, there wasn't really ever the big game type of jitters or big game approach because they approached every single day the same and they don't look at the opponent and he's like that's not a knock on anybody um he's like but i will he did say that that was something he took away from um nick saban um you know coaching under him at alabama and that he's trying to do so while he knows it's a big game you know i think that's kind of the approach and that's what texas is going to need because there's a lot of outside side noise that can you know come into the locker room real quick leading into this game i think yeah absolutely and casey thompson uh, talked about that today saying, look, everyone's going to talk about my my story, how my dad played at OU, um, how his older brother, uh, Kendall Thompson, played at OU before transferring to Utah and that I'm at Texas. He said, I've got to block all that out and and just stay focused on, um, you know, his 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 preparation, his film study, his working with uh, the receivers to watch film to truly understand what he's up against here. I, if I were him, I might even call Sam Ellinger and say, okay, what happened two years ago that I need to advise these guys or, or even last year in that four overtime game where the Texas offense got off to a really rough start. And, um, and, you know, Texas got off to a rough start against TCU, was able to overcome some adversity. Uh, that is some key experience that they picked up last week. If you're going to look for any silver lining coming out of the TCU game, it's that they didn't play great. They didn't, you know, one of five passing on third down. It was a struggle every step of the way, but they, they made enough plays and they made the plays when they had to have them. Uh, on that 12-play, 75-yard drive capped by the 32-yard touchdown pass from Casey Thompson to Jordan Whittington in the fourth quarter that proved to be the game-winning points. Um, that was a big deal because Texas finished the game. They they had the lead. They were up by 12. Then they had it cut to five, and they were able to finish. And and look, there's a real good chance this, this game against Oklahoma is going to be a four-quarter game Oklahoma's been in those. Their last three games 
they're they've all won by seven points or less, including having to kick a last second field goal to beat West Virginia, um, you know, at home two weeks ago. So this is an Oklahoma team that's had some close calls, had a, a seven point win over Nebraska, the three point win over West Virginia, and then uh, the six point win over K state last week, 37, uh, 31 in which Oklahoma gave up a, a massive kick return for a touchdown um, that allowed K-State to go for an onside kick in the final minute uh, to try to get the ball back and maybe uh, tie or win the game uh, with a touchdown. But Oklahoma was able to recover that onside kick and got out of Manhattan, like I said, with their first win over Chris, uh, you know, climbing in the Wildcats, first win in three years over K-State. So it's it's an interesting battle because if you talk to Oklahoma fans, Taylor, they haven't been crazy about Spencer Rattler. If you talk to other OU observers, it's, well, the offensive line still hasn't come together. They lost all Big 12 center Creed Humphrey. They lost one of their offensive tackles. And the the new line hasn't gelled well enough for OU to consistently run the football and that then puts it all on Spencer Rattler and his arm and they haven't been as prolific as they've been in the past so OU fans you know kind of getting grumpy in that West Virginia game where they wanted backup quarterback Caleb Williams who is a five-star out of the DC area dual threat laser arm and remember in this game last year, Taylor, Spencer Rattler got benched briefly for Tanner Mordecai. Tanner Mordecai is now leading the you know, SMU Mustangs um, to an undefeated season so far. So uh, Lincoln Riley's always had prolific quarterbacks. We'll see what Spencer Rattler's got uh, on this big stage. Yeah, and, and you know, I think while that's kind of setting itself up in Texas favor right now with the struggles that um, the Oklahoma offense and Spencer Rattler has had. The thing is that can't be, you know, something that you expect just similar to, you know, we talked last week going into the TCU game. You couldn't expect to see the TCU that lost to SMU. You, You weren't expecting to see that team. And I think especially for this game, Chip being a rivalry, the Red River rival or shootout. Sorry. I know you hate when anybody says anything else, <laughs> the red river shootout. Uh, we're not a PC crowd here, I guess. <laughs> so, but yeah, you know, I think that, um, you can't expect Spencer Rattler to struggle quote unquote at this point, because Lincoln Riley, you know, he's been so successful in this game. Um, you know, I feel like I, I, I know, OU fans are down on Spencer Rattler. I still think that kid is legit. He's a very, very talented quarterback and he, has the skill set to be able to beat you, you know, in a lot of different ways. And maybe he hasn't shown it yet so far this season, but expecting that not to come out in this game would be very surprising if it didn't happen, in my opinion, with Spencer Rattler. I would be shocked if he has any type of performance similar to some of his struggles earlier um, in this season so far. Yeah, well, one of the interesting um, things Usually when I look at passing statistics for a quarterback, I look at pass efficiency because that uh, typically is, you know, completion percentage and touchdown to interception ratio. Um, 
you know, all factored into one. And right now, Casey Thompson is number seven nationally uh, in pass efficiency. And Spencer Rattler is, um, gosh, he is 32nd in pass efficiency. And that's just not something that we're, we're used to seeing from a, a Lincoln Riley offense. And so, um, you know, Texas has not done a great job of getting pressure on the quarterback and, and getting sacks, but they have done a pretty good job of playing red zone defense, giving up some yards between the twenties, but then really limiting teams, um, in the red zone. So we'll see if, if Texas can continue that and, and Oklahoma has, you know, they're really down to two running backs and, and that we're not used to that either. Usually Oklahoma has, you know, kind of like Arkansas, just like four running backs who they can throw at you and, and, and do damage. But, um, you know, it's, it's a little, little different, but you're right. You can't, you can't expect Oklahoma's offense to come out and struggle. Now the Texas defense can help them struggle. Um, the Texas defense is still, uh, you know, the shutout against rice aside, the, the defense is still looking to put together a complete game. And, and so, you know, they played a good first half against Louisiana, good first half against Texas tech and, and had moments against TCU. They, they need a complete game and it would, it would be uh, good timing if it happened this week. No doubt, especially, you know, all eyes on college football are going to be on this game. And um, one thing Sarkeesian did say on Monday as well at his press conference was he feels like Texas um, against TCU, obviously he wasn't thrilled with um, a lot of different, you know, aspects of the game, but he did say that he felt that they're playing complimentary football because when one side started to struggle, the other side was able to pick it up and vice versa. And, you know, you're going to need that. Um, right now, Texas, I believe it's ranked uh, 30th in red zone defense and the 30th in the country, excuse me, nationally. They're definitely going to need that because as anybody that's been to this Texas OU game knows, once the momentum starts to get going in one team's favor, it's hard to shake it. And, you know, as you know, I've, I've been on the field a number of times in this rivalry game, including in 2012, when Texas got absolutely destroyed in that game. And it's it's a bone chilling type of feeling being on the field as even just as, you know, on the sideline, me, you know, I was, I was recording video at the time, just hearing and feeling the momentum shift just from the crowd noise. It's, it's, it sounds crazy. It's so hard to explain unless you're actually on the field, but like you can literally feel it. And I wasn't playing in the game. So imagine how much that could impact, you know, a team. Um, once that crowd starts to kind of, you know, the momentum starts to shift in one team's favor, that crowd really comes into play. And, you know, that's where the attention to details, they need laser focus this week, both teams, you know, whoever's going to win, but there's no doubt that, the Texas defense is going to need to come up probably big early on to try to get that momentum going in the offense's favor, considering this is Casey Thompson's first time playing in this game. Usually we like to say that, you know, the quarterback that has experience in this game more times than not seems to be the team that, you know, the team that wins. And while Casey Thompson has been on the sideline for three of the Texas OU games um, during his time at Texas, he's never played in it. So 
you know, there's a lot of things to kind of consider, but, you know, getting, getting a solid start off to um, defense, especially I think, and shutting down the OU offense, that's suspect at best right now. That's key. That's one of the keys to, in my opinion, to this game. Yeah. I, I remember back to, to Baker Mayfield getting so pumped up in his first um, Texas OU game. And uh, I think that was 2015. Mm-hmm. And and Malik Jefferson had a couple sacks in that game. Gerard Hurd uh, played quarterback, and um, and Texas won the game. And Baker Mayfield had a couple of turnovers. You can you can get pumped up and a little bit overwhelmed as a first time starter at quarterback in this game, and and that's going to be a big factor in in how this thing plays out. Obviously Spencer Rattler got benched briefly in this game last year. He now has that experience under his belt. He's probably got something to prove coming back to this game. Casey Thompson obviously has a lot going on with family members and storylines and, and everything like that. And so who, you know, who can handle the moment the best, who can tune out everything and, and just lead his team the best I don't know that we, I don't know that we know yeah. I, for this game. And that that's probably to Texas's favor because typically Lincoln Riley has number one draft picks at quarterback. And the fact that that is a bit of a draw or an unknown as to which of these quarterbacks is going to handle the moment better. That's a plus for Texas in my mind. Yeah, a hundred percent it is. And, you know, and it, you know, it also is a plus, I guess, somewhat that Casey has at least been on the field. He has been on the roster when Texas has won this game. You know, he was a true freshman, I guess, in 2018 uh, when Texas won that game against uh, Kyler Murray and, uh, you know, the year that ended with them going to the Sugar Bowl. But yeah, no doubt about it that the fact that we're talking about the concerns on OU's offense right now, I feel, as you mentioned, you know, that that's very, very key because, you know, clearly this, this game is called the shootout for a reason because a lot of times it gets into a shootout. And so I, I 100% agree that Texas has a little advantage entering this game since there is a lot of unknown um, on this this Oklahoma team. And that's surprising to say, you know, being as Lincoln Riley is the head coach. And usually that's never the case. So, Well, you mentioned it. The best friend of any quarterback is a strong running game. And that right now belongs to Texas. Texas is the number one rushing team in the Big 12. Um, they're averaging 265.8 yards per game on the ground. Oklahoma is averaging 150. 55 rushing yards per game. Oklahoma uh, is seventh in the conference in rushing offense. As we mentioned, number one in rushing defense. And and so how much can Steve Sarkeesian put on Bijan Robinson? How 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 much can uh, he how much can he rely on Bijan Robinson carrying the football, catching the football. It's clear that this kid is is in a in an elite class. If you you know you said he's the best running back in college football, I think he's Emmett Smith for crying out loud, who's only the all time leading rusher in NFL history just by the ability to make guys miss in the hole, which is what 
allowed Emmett Smith to go on to such a prolific career. Now you got to stay healthy and all of those things, but you know, Bijan Robinson is a special talent. I think that the college football world is going to see that on Saturday, but we didn't see it against Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, how far has this football team grown? How much better has Texas gotten um, in the last month to be able to uh, take on a tough physical Oklahoma defense with really good athletes in the front seven uh, and figure out a way for Bijan Robinson to do damage. Cause um, this is, it's a great showdown. Um, as you mentioned, Oklahoma, the number seven run defense in the country, Bijan Robinson, the number two rusher in college football. That's the, that's the matchup that's going to decide this game. Yes, it is. And and the other you I, I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, as a pass catcher too, because Bijan Robinson, he ranks number two also in all purpose yards right now in all of college football. Um, and you know, he's electric, he's elite, you know, as you mentioned. And this is this is a huge matchup. And, you know, if this type of game, if he has a good game chip, I feel like this could turn into a Heisman, but you know, the statement Heisman, you know, type of um of, you know, game that most guys have had, especially running backs. If you look back at Reggie Bush, you know, they had to have that Heisman moment. And if Bijan Robinson can continue to play as well as he has played, um, you know, and, and continue to lead this offense, then this could be his Heisman moment. But we'll see. As you mentioned, tough rush defense that he's going up against. Yeah. And, and if you look at, you know, if, if numbers mean anything to you and Texas hasn't been fantastic against the pass on defense, but Oklahoma is worse. And, and so, you know, they're giving up 241.4 yards per game through the air. They've given up seven touchdowns through the air. Texas has given up five touchdowns through the air. Three of those came against Texas tech in garbage time, but still. Um, and, and so which, which quarterback can can get it done with his arm? Um, because you know OU's they don't have a CD Lamb this year. Marvin Mims, the you know who was a freshman, kind of broke out in this game last year, has been good. But defenses have keyed on him, and and the other OU receivers haven't been able to make defenses pay, and they're not getting open. And mm. and Texas has had some inconsistency at receiver. We saw it last week, Xavier worthy. Who's, you know, looked like he was emerging as a breakout star uh, with three touchdown catches against Texas tech dropped all three or dropped three passes uh, in big time moments for Texas, including a, a ball on the eight yard line that probably would have gone for a touchdown. So worthy uh, has to bounce back this week and which teams receivers can make big plays in this game because um, like we said, Worthy had the big game against uh, Texas Tech. Jordan Whittington had a big game against Louisiana and and Whittington for as little uh, as for as little success as Texas had through the air. It was Whittington who came up with the 37 yard deep ball, the 32 yard catch and run touchdown um, to make enough plays in the passing game for Texas. So, you know, some unknowns in the passing game for, for both teams and plays have been made on both teams defense in the passing game. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, one good note for Texas is they will have Josh Thompson back as, you know, we reported leading into the TCU game. He missed the game. He ended up missing it too. But Steve Sarkeesian said on Monday that he's back with the team. He's good to go. And the emergence, I believe, of Darian Dunn also works to Texas' favor because, as you mentioned, yeah, the, you know, the receivers need to have a huge game and Oklahoma's receivers aren't having those games. So having, you know, Darian Dunn continue to play better and having Josh Thompson back, who is, you know, right now playing the best at corner for Texas, that that's something that, you know, also does play in Texas favor. I feel like we're probably sounding like the biggest homers right now because we're like, oh, Texas has advantage here. Texas has advantage here. But the reality is it's setting itself up that way. And that's a, a good situation for Texas entering this game because they're going to need the best from everybody. Well, I think you you look at um you know texas obviously four and one ou five and oh um texas you know we can talk about that arkansas loss and you know would it have been different if casey thompson played quarterback probably would have been closer but um you know since the arkansas loss the team is starting to believe that it can finish games and i think we saw an unbelievably impressive offensive performance against Texas Tech and and then a scrappy gutted out performance against TCU and and now we got to see if if this um Texas team is ready to take a really big step against the six-time defending Big 12 champion and um you know, this is the this is what everyone wanted to see. Everyone wants to see Steve Sarkeesian, Lincoln Riley, two of the best play callers in football, not college football. Lincoln Riley has turned down NFL jobs. Steve Sarkeesian's been a play caller in the NFL. These are two of the best, and they're going to go play some chess on on Saturday in the Cotton Bowl. And this is this is what everyone wants to see. And yeah. You know, I was talking to a source today, Taylor, who said they they like Texas's chances because of Bijan Robinson and Sarkeesian doesn't panic. Now, I don't think Lincoln Riley panics either, but um, you know, it's it's there's a lot of uh, fun storylines, and one of them is okay. Steve Sarkeesian was brought into Texas in part to match wits offensively with Lincoln Riley and here's their first meeting. Yeah. I remember Chip the we did our emergency podcast immediately after um Steve Sarkeesian was announced, you know, hired and announced as the head coach at Texas. And I remember both of us talking about like, I can't wait until October because I cannot wait to see these two coaches battle it out. You know, you almost want both of them to stick around at both schools for a while because these could be some really, really fun games, you know, down the road, down the stretch. And it starts this Saturday and you and I will be there. So we'll uh, we'll uh, definitely be happy to see it in person, I think, for both of us. And, you know, this is the start of what could be a really good heated head to head battle between two as the best of the best, you know, offensive minded coaches in all of football. Well, and before we get to uh, love it or leave it, everybody's favorite part of the show, uh, special teams. These are two of the best kickers in in the Big 12, if not college football, and Gabe Burkich for Oklahoma, Cameron Dicker for Texas, who won the game with a 40-yard field goal uh, in 2018 with nine seconds left. 
Um, and so, you know, that that's pretty much a draw. Now, um, both teams gave up big kick returns last week. So both teams are going to have some special teams cleanup to do to make sure that, um, you know, much like that 2008 Texas OU game when Jordan Shipley basically turned the momentum of the game with a 96-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. Um, you know, neither of these teams obviously wants to have a big play go against them in in special teams. And and both teams have some firepower in the return game. So uh, that, that will be a, a, a nugget to watch as this game unfolds as well. Yep, no doubt about it, Chip. Um, I, I want to ask you something real quick before we get to love it or leave it. What are you most looking forward to from the fair food? Because uh, there's some pretty interesting things. We weren't really able to get that in 2020. So it's been a few years since we've been able to, you know, taste all the food. What What are you looking out for this year? What's your favorite thing that you've had there? Well, that fried uh, Snickers was pretty good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I guess, well, that and the, um, oh gosh, the, um, the bacon cheeseburger served on, um, what's the, uh, the powdered, cream donuts. the, yeah, the powdered sugar, um, uh, waffle. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Whatever that dessert's yeah. called. That was fantastic. Yeah. That was the best <laughs> yeah. thing I've ever had. At the at the state fair, kind of like a beefed up Monte Cristo thing. A oh bit. yeah, mm -hmm. oh that was so good. So yeah, I got to read up. I got to I got to figure out what the new food is and and go back and find that uh, that bacon double cheeseburger served on. Um, you know, oh, I can't believe I can't remember what that dessert is called at the fair. I tried to help you out, but I don't. I don't know. I've never had that. That sounds like a heart attack in a plate. So I have never tried that. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Awesome. <laughs> How about you? What are you looking forward to? Um, I mean, you can't go wrong with Fletcher's corny dogs. But I always like. Have you ever had a fried moon pie before? No. Oh, definitely do that. Um, That's the one. I'm sorry. That's the one. That's my favorite one. Yeah. So if anybody has not had one of those, try it out because that's, I'm not a huge fried food person, um, but I do love me a fried moon pie. So I would definitely try that out too. <laughs> okay. I'm in. All righty. Well, since we probably made everybody hungry, we're going to take a really quick break here, but you definitely want to stick around as we uh, return with love it or leave it with a you know, all things Texas OU going into the Red River shootout. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Make sure that you head on over to the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel. Hit subscribe. Click the bell to get notifications for all the latest videos that we will be adding to the page. Um, we're expanding our video product at Horns 24-7. So you want to be ahead of the game, I can tell you that, so you don't miss some of the features. Unfortunately, though, Chip, I don't know if one of the features is going to be us shotgunning beers because we didn't get to 5,000 subscribers yet. So, man. You know, well, probably saved, we saved ourselves some embarrassment at least. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. You ready for some love it or leave it? I'm ready. 
All right, Chip. My first one for you is love it or leave it. The struggles in the TCU game make you feel less sure about Texas chances of beating Oklahoma. Um, you know, I can look at this two ways, right? I can look at it and say, oh my gosh, look at all these breakdowns that happened that had not been happening. Um, you know, Casey Thompson's, you know, struggles passing the ball on third down. Some of those were drops. Some of it was, you know, bad blocking. Christian Jones let um, Horton sack Casey on, on third down uh, at, at the five. But I'm going to say, I'm going to leave this and I'm going to go with the, the fact that Texas finished that game. Um, so I'll, I'll look for the silver lining there because that is a game that Texas has lost in recent years. So I'm going to leave that and say that the struggles don't make me, um, feel less optimistic about Texas beating OU. I'm going to say that that was a survival game of, of a learn how to finish game that, will help Texas in this game because now they've been they've been in a game where they've played about as bad as they can play and they still won and sometimes that can be a confidence boost Taylor how about you yeah I'm gonna agree with you I'm gonna leave it because um I mean what you said is is really key too but the other thing I feel like when you've seen Texas struggle this season it seems that they usually look better the following game obviously the Arkansas game was, Terrible. Let's <laughs> not sugarcoat it. But I do feel like with Casey Thompson's preparation, with how focused to attention to detail he is, you know, I think it was Xavier Worthy that called him OCD, um, even, you know, color co coordinating his closet, which I do too. So I guess I'm OCD. But, uh, you know, I, I do feel like that the preparation of Casey Thompson and how it's kind of trickling down throughout the offense, I feel should make you feel not too bad about the mistakes that were made because I think if anybody's going to fix him, he's going to find a way to do so because he's so laser focused on the details because he wants to, you know, continue to improve. And, and then, you know, that coupled with um, Texas, I feel like when they have struggled, they've, they've come back a lot, you know, kind of came back with a, a vengeance a little bit so far this season. So yeah, I'm going to have to leave it and agree with you there. Okay. All right. Love it or leave it. Number two. All right, love it or leave it. Texas cannot expect Bijan Robinson to carry the load offensively this week like he did against TCU. Yeah, I'm gonna have to love this. I mean, I, I don't I don't think Texas can count on 35 carries for 216 yards. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, and TCU's defense was inspired, um, but that was a lot to put on Bijan's plate. Now he delivered. So as a coach, the tendency is probably, well, man, this guy's, this guy's making defenders miss in the hole. So like he sort of makes it un F upable. Um, now they struggled to run the ball inside Taylor and that I'm still shocked that the third and six run was a, you know, was a power play with Cade Brewers, the lead blocker, uh, up the middle as opposed to an outside zone run because Bijan and, and the Texas offense, they almost ran exclusive 
you know, outside zone runs against Rice and Texas Tech and demolished them and had a ton of success running outside zone against TCU. I mean, I like when Sark is sort of dressing it up in different ways, um, but kind of sticking to that outside zone. Nonetheless, I just, I don't know if you can count on a 35 carry 216 yard performance. I mean, I think they're going to rely on him a lot. It might be more, you know, in the passing game, but I think others have to step up. I mean, Xavier Worthy's got to come through. Uh, Jordan Whittington, Joshua Moore. We're still waiting on his breakout game this year. Um, so, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to have to say, I, I, I well, let's see. Texas can't expect. So I'm gonna have to love this. Mm-hmm. Um, how about you? I mean, I, I guess it depends on what we are considering as carrying the load. If we're considering it a 35 carry game, then yes, I think you have to love it. If we're, you know, but I also think that Bijan Robinson can carry the load offensively with 20 carries too. You know, because he has, you know, just dynamic talent. And I mean, this kid is so legit and he's such a good kid too so you love seeing him see the success because he's I mean the nicest kid you'll meet and he plays like a dog on the field and you know I think that you can expect him to carry the load in any capacity but I don't know if you know back-to-back 35 carry games would be the best thing for him so yeah I'm gonna have to agree and say um uh you know Texas cannot expect it from him but doesn't mean don't hand him the ball because I, I would handle I would hand him the ball as much as possible before teams you know shut it down um, and and you haven't seen anybody shut him down really I mean his worst performance so far was against Arkansas and he rushed for what was it like sixty something yards still or seventy yards I can't remember exactly off the top of my head but that was his worst performance and you know so I think that um, he he can carry the load offensively but you know, especially coming out of that game, you can't expect it and you can't expect a 35 carry every single week. So yeah, I'm going to agree with you for the second one and love it too. Yeah. And a lot of what Bijan, a lot of those carries um, against TCU came in the fourth quarter when, um, you know, when Texas, when Steve Sarkeesian felt like TCU's defense was starting to get worn down and, and, and Steve Sarkeesian even said that the best blocking he saw from Texas was on the four minute drive, the last seven plays of the the game, um, when they had to have that third and six, when when they had to control the the ball and run out the clock, basically, is when he saw the best blocking from the offensive line. That's a positive sign. Um, but a lot of those carries for Bijan Robinson against TCU came um, when they were uh, came in the fourth quarter, and so that's a good sign. He's one of the, that's a a telltale sign of a great back when the back gets better as the game goes on and is at his best in the fourth quarter. If he's getting a bunch of carries in the fourth quarter this week, it means Texas is in control and, and they've got Oklahoma on the ropes. They never got um, going against Arkansas, never really got uh, a chance for him to pop a big run and, and sort of, cause the Arkansas defense to have to, um, you know, adjust. And so, uh, they need success early in this game and then they need to sustain it so that Bijan Robinson is a sledgehammer in the, in the fourth quarter of this game. Yeah. Totally agree. All right, Taylor, 
Love it or leave it number three. All right. Love it or leave it. It's more surprising that Oklahoma has won three straight games by seven points or less, or that OU's defense has had to carry the Sooners at times this season. You know, um, I'm, I'm going to say that I'm a little more surprised that uh, the, OU defense has had to carry um, the team because with Spencer Rattler being more experienced, Kennedy Brooks at running back, Marvin Mims, and really they only had to replace two starters on the offensive line. I figured the way that Oklahoma's offensive lines have played under Lincoln Riley, and they run a lot of counter and power, and they pull their linemen, which can can be a – an asset to an offensive line that might be struggling um, in, in, you know, zone blocking or just sort of basic run blocking. So that surprises me, surprises mm-hmm. me that uh, OU's receivers, uh, you know, Marvin Mims doesn't have a touchdown catch yet this season. That's kind of staggering to me. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm probably more surprised that the OU defense and they certainly had to carry the load in that that 13-10 win over West Virginia with the last second field goal from Gabe Burkich uh, a couple weeks ago. So I'm probably more surprised by that than the than the close call wins for OU. How about you, Taylor? Yeah, I would say that I'm going to leave it. I would say it's more surprising that you know OU's defense. Um, has had to carry, especially, you know, Spencer Rattler last year, he was a, you know, a redshirt freshman. So you would kind of expect some ups and downs um, and emotions getting in the way a lot of times. But with him being a, you know, a second year player, a redshirt sophomore, especially with him, um, you know, being the Heisman favorite all offseason leading into this season and his struggles and the struggles on the OU offense is uncharacteristic of the Oklahoma you know, of, of Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma. Um, but they still have, you know, in the past played close games too. So the fact that we're talking about how OU's defense is going to be, you know, or is carrying the load and is, you know, really leading the charge for OU and having it to where they are still undefeated in these close games. I think that's way more surprising than just having three straight, you know, games of um, wins of seven points or less. So yeah, I'm going to have to leave that one. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be great. Um, and, and who knows how the, uh, the two sides will handle the sec, um, chatter, uh, because obviously Texas and Oklahoma, uh, sent shockwaves through the college football world this summer, uh, when they announced that they would be accepting invitations to the sec. Um, I think it'll be, earliest 2023 latest 2024 but um you know they're sort of partners in crime but uh they won't be partners in crime on saturday they will just be trying to get a leg up in the big 12 race and and if if texas can pull this off taylor um texas will have a huge game against oklahoma state the following week 
And that will be the last game before they get an off week. And that will be a true test of if, if Texas can handle business this week of how mature has this Longhorns team become. But first things first, we'll see how they handle it uh, in the Cotton Bowl on Saturday. Yep, it's going to be a, a slobber knocker, right? That's what they say in the Utah. Yeah, I, I'm really excited for this game. And, you know, there's a lot of things on the line. There's so many cool storylines, everything. I mean, this is what you – if you're a college football fan, I don't care if you're a Texas fan or an Oklahoma fan. If you enjoy good college football, you want to see Texas and Oklahoma battling it out, you know, in the Cotton Bowl because it's, it's always so much fun to watch um, for the whole sport. So – you know, this is this is what you want. Both teams are ranked. Uh, Texas, I think that they're what twenty one after t- the TCU game. Yeah, and um, and what's Oklahoma six or seven? I can't. One of them, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, this is you want two ranked teams when Texas know you, you know, face off, and that's what college football is going to get. So it's good news, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fun. A lot of intrigue. And um, we'll have it all for you at Horns 24-7. So get over to Horns247.com. Become an annual member. And don't miss a thing. For Taylor Estes, I'm Chip Brown. Until next time, right here on the Flagship Podcast, stay safe and keep the faith.